Upsflyer presents Winning in the Nordics with Anneli Nash. Welcome to Winning in the Nordics. I'm your host, Anneli Nash, and I'll meet some of the most interesting marketers, investors, and app developers across the region to learn from their success stories. I'm the founder of AIM4, your partner for digital marketing and growth, and this podcast is a collaboration with Appsflyer. Appsflyer provides mobile marketers with the technology they need to grow their apps and create exceptional user experiences. I'm here today with Jakob Rudbeck. He's the CEO and founder of Yepster, but has also worked at companies like Boston Consulting Group, and he's an angel investor. Yepster was founded in 2015 with the vision to become the world's largest employer of young people. Using the Yepster app, families can easily find and employ young people in the area. This way, Yepster has helped thousands of young people to get their first jobs as a babysitter, tutor, dogminder or gardener. They are currently the largest platform in Sweden for jobs for young people. But Jacob, you're also co-hosting the TV series The Apprentice. Welcome and should we start there? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's uh, great to be here uh, with you, Anneli. Uh, Yeah, let's start there. Um, So we actually had a big discussion about that in our board, whether I should participate in The Apprentice uh, as one of the the co-leader there of the show. Um, We ended up saying that it's a good idea because since Yepster has so much to do with trust, Um, We think it's a good idea for me to be visible in the public space, essentially. So, yeah, I think it says something that, you know, Gunilla von Platen entrusted me with being her her sidekick and and co-host on the program. And so I I think that that builds Yepster in the right way. You know, we are here, we are transparent, we do everything and to be as fair and, and just and correct as possible. And we're not hiding in some basement, you know? No, exactly. And it's quite, it's not that many entrepreneurs that get the chance to be like on TV every week in front of uh, the whole Sweden at like, you know, the best uh, hour yeah, where yeah, people yeah. are looking at TV. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so no, that's, for sure. Yeah, sounds like a great opportunity for sure. No, it was a lot of fun for sure. It was also very difficult. You know, that was six weeks of recording pretty much full time. So my poor team members were forced to have meetings with me between like eight and 11 at night, because that was <laughs> the only time I had. At the same time, I had a, a small baby at home. So it, w- it was difficult. I won't say it was all roses. <laughs> no, okay. I can imagine. Uh, but we are going to talk about Yepster mostly today. So before we start off, how is it going with Yepster today? Where are you? Today, I am actually really, really proud of how far we've come. So I founded Yepster nearly seven years ago. The app's been out for about five years. And uh, it's been one heck of a ride. <laughs> uh, it's been both champagne moments, but also a lot of moments where we just want to curl into a ball on the floor and, and hide. Uh, it's been uh, very difficult because we're, you know, by building a company that strives to help young people to their first jobs, super difficult challenge. You know, the parents don't succeed with that. The companies don't succeed with Society doesn't succeed with that. You know, but you're teacher. gonna do it. <laughs> exactly, but we're gonna do it. So, so we have that, um, but it's also a hyper-local marketplace. So for example, Airbnb can have a customer in Paris and, you know, somebody who rents out their house in Spain and they're still relevant to each other. Whereas if we have a babysitter in uh, 
uh, Jokkmokk in northern part of Sweden and then somebody wants babysitting in Stockholm, they're completely irrelevant. So we have to build local density and mass and uh, that depends on virality. But yeah, I'm super proud of where we're at. I don't know if you saw the uh, DI Doggins Industry article last week that we grew 600% compared to the year before. We're definitely on the right path. And, and last month, I think we broke 10,000 uh, hours being worked. We're now up at 12,000 hours. We have revenue in excess of 2 million sec per month. So yeah, we're we're getting some good air under our wings. Yeah, uh, but at you, as you were saying, you took on quite a challenge. Like it's a marketplace, it's an app. You're changing society a bit in Sweden and so forth. When yeah. you started, and and you know most things take a not? bit <laughs> longer than <laughs> than you, you think about. But when you started in th- 2015, did you do you think it was going to take this long to kind of get this traction, or are you actually surprised that it's? Yeah, no, for sure, I I didn't think so. And the first investors I spoke with, they were kind enough to to laugh at me and say, "Okay, Jacob, yeah, you know whatever you say." If you say it'll take three years, I'm going to multiply that with pi. <laughs> so, you know, I expect it'll take you 10 years, but I will still invest because you have that crazy little spark in your eye. So we think you have those 10 years in you it will take to build a really good business. Yeah. And yeah, it looks like they may be right. Awesome. That but sounds- yeah, I, there is something wrong with me for sure, um, because I do like extreme challenges. I like it when it's super difficult. And maybe that's why I like offshore sailing, for example. You're out there, pretty much feel all alone in the front of the boat, in the bow. You're, you know, drowning every other second. There's cold water pouring everywhere. You know, it's dark. There's nobody there looking at you. But it's so fantastic when you when you win, you know, when you achieve this, when you beat something that's so difficult. I I, I love a good challenge. Yeah, and we're gonna talk about some of that those challenges that you have faced today. And uh, let us start with a bit with uh, like your growth strategies, because um, first of all, you have to kind of recruit on both sides. You both you both need to get the. I yeah. call them giggers, but the young people. The, and, yeah, the yeps, the young entrepreneurs. Ah, the yeps. Uh, and then you also need to get the customers. And these kind of have to grow at kind of a similar pace because otherwise either yeah. will get bored. So like, how have you worked with that to begin with? Yeah, that's super difficult. And that's really the heart of operations at Yepster, keeping that balance. So we have a promise uh, that if you're a high, in a high density area, Stockholm, Göteborg, Malmö, then, then our target is to get you three interviews with a babysitter within 24 hours because we know that that drives you know customer uh, satisfaction yeah Uh, and so that's what we target that's what we measure that's that's what we what we look at but that means that we continuously need to be monitoring this so our chief marketing officer denise is keeping a close eye on the balance of active yeps versus active customers in each area and and getting that balance right. Yeah. Do you actually do things? For example, if you would do a drive to get more yeps and you get more, like, do you stop them from entering the platform or like, do you have like hacks to make sure? Yeah. So this is where I guess the secret sauce comes in Mm, (laughs) because... Love that. Yeah. What... What we need uh, to to succeed is uh, like a K factor of that's greater than one. So a, a virality factor. So that when we get in a yep in an area, we need to make that yep become one customer in that area. So what can we do to achieve that? Well, first of all, we can involve the yep's parent. 
So if you're under 18, you know, you have to get a parent approval. That's a great chance for us to talk to the parent and say, hey, so glad you have this super ambitious young daughter named Anneli <laughs> looking for her first jobs. But unfortunately, there are not many jobs here. So please help us out, share with your friends and so on. That can be one stream. But it can also be giving our yeps real jobs from us. So mm. getting them to be our sales force, getting them to knock on doors in their neighborhood or give out flyers or spread on Facebook or in uh, local groups or local newspapers and so on. So, so that's a part of our vision and that's also where we're going and that's why we're seeing a lot of growth now is because we're starting to, to unlock this. So instead of us giving money to Facebook and Google, we prefer giving that to our yeps. We have 40,000 of them and yeah, we see they are much more active and better Salesforce. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can imagine. Uh, because my next question was actually going to be like, what is the key components to your growth? And I'm sure that that is one of them, but can mm. you share a few others? Yeah, for sure. So a key part of our growth has been shifting our focus. So when I started Yepster, I was looking at a lot of other uh, ventures for inspiration. And a lot of them were using PR or uh, performance marketing. That was sort of the basis, you know. If if you got seen in all newspapers, then there was a buzz, then investors would invest. We tried that a lot. Uh, it never really resulted in many customers <laughs> or users. Uh, but, you know, it was good in terms of investor knowledge about us. Mm -hmm. So it has a role to play in running a startup, but it's not that important. <laughs> yeah. uh, the second bit then, performance marketing, bit similar. It's an, a great injection that you can switch on. You know, anybody can pay money to get more users, but very few do it in a good way, in a smart way, in a cost-effective way. Uh, and even fewer are the results where it's sustainable and scalable. So we've moved away from that world and instead moved to the more organic type of growth where you know it, it grows layer by layer by layer by layer. So it gets exponentially stronger. So SEO is one of those fields, uh, for sure. That's very important for us. But also, yeah, viral incentives and uh, getting our users to invite new users and so on, because then they help each other get started as well. Yeah, makes sense. One thing that I'm also wondering about is like, how come you build it as an app? Like, why was that the way to build the business? Yeah, well, initially, Yepster was a website, um, but we we also <laughs> made this super ugly Cordova app back in the day, uh, just to test. And we found that even though people quicker came to a first purchase on the website, once they were in the app, they stayed a lot longer. Mm. So we have a for sure lots of competitors out there, but the main competitor for us is Swish or paying cash in hand, you know, uh, like yeah. untaxed money. Uh, um, and so that's a main competitor for us. So retention is actually key. Like how, how do we get people to want to stay on the platform? Well, then we have to offer something more. You know, we have to help them with uh, reminders, with the uh, scheduling things, with their agreements, but also with taxes and route and making it fair and just and building a young person's resume and all of those things. So that's why we built it as an app. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Uh, but now you're getting into something that I'm really <laughs> interested in because it sounds like you have quite a, a good feeling of your numbers like mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to retention. Like uh, what are the key KPIs you're following and how 
how come, I want to say, aren't you using performance marketing now when you do have them? Because I would assume that, for example, if you follow someone for a longer period of time, it's much easier to yeah. uh, calculate that investment. For sure. So we definitely use performance marketing. Mm. It is it is a, a base. We just don't depend on it as much. Yeah. And that has a lot to do with us uh, yeah, using platforms like AppsFlyer to get a, a good sense of our CAC, our LTV, and how, how users perform. So we now have a, a much better sense of what each customer is worth to us. It varies depending on season and category and geographic location and all of these things. So then we also know what we can can pay for them. Uh, so yeah, CAC, LTV are definitely uh, core metrics we, we track. Uh, the key health metric is the one I, I mentioned before, You know, three interviews within 24 hours. That's like a, a key health. Then we know if we're doing good, you know. With yeah. that, our customers are generally very, very happy. We also track, like, we track basically everything. But um, uh, key things that we are looking into are uh, YEP activity and the ratio between our users, the density in different areas, uh, the growth in different areas, and of course, retention. Retention is always at the top. Yeah. Um, you don't get growth if you haven't worked out retention first. So uh, yeah, the retention should be at the top of every tech CEO's agenda. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. I remember, now I'm going a bit off track, but I remember I read uh, Andrew Chen's The Cold Start Program. Yeah, uh, have you read it's a it? great book. Yeah, yep. <laughs> uh, he talks in the beginning about like how they on Uber uh, like looked at these hyper-local um, growth patterns. So uh, except for like the whole, okay, we got a yep here, uh, let's do something about it to get that one, some jobs. Like, hmm. have you had any like hyper local marketing strategies when it comes to like taking new areas and how big they can be and how much traction you want in them and yeah. so forth? Yeah, for sure. We've, we've tested lots and lots and um, some of it is in our secret sauce, but some of the things that we tried are, for example, flyers. Yeah. So equipping our young entrepreneurs with with flyers and with their own personal code. So if the customer uses that code, then the young entrepreneur gets a bonus and Ooh. so does the customer and, and so on. Uh, that works really well. Something that was interesting in that is the more beautiful our flyers got, you know, the more graphically designed and, and colorful and glossier and the worse the conversion got. Interesting. Yeah, because then it, I guess it became just like any other mm. ad. But the scruffier they looked, the more it looked like it actually was a 16, 17-year-old in the area. Yeah. That, uh, you know, hey, my name is Anneli, uh, three Epster. I do, you know, some babysitting, but also some gardening work. Here's my code. You know, if you sign up with this, uh, you get 100 crowns off. So the more authentic it looked, I guess, the better it performed. And the same thing goes with our UGC, our user-generated content. Yeah. The more, the, like the more honest, the more, you know, a uh, person standing in the living room with a, a mobile phone, uh, the better the conversion is because a lot of the stuff we compete with is very polished. Mm. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And, and we can see it too. And it's often a discussion we need to have with... Uh, well, any CMO today that, you know, people want real stuff, especially yeah. in social media. We cannot do it yeah. this good. Can, yeah. we, can we do it a little bit worse than this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so. It's such a strange dilemma, but yeah. yeah. And it hurts, you know, a bit as CEO and CMO to like, 
oh, is this really what we're, you know, then we look like some crappy little startup that can't even have the same orange on our, you know, <laughs> but it works. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that that makes total sense. But when it comes to your user-generated content, I kind of caught uh, my uh, attention there. Like, what else do you do? Like, how do you encourage uh, youngsters to do that? Or is it like, are they just so much on social media that they do it without you asking? Yeah, so I think that's, the main reason that I believe in Yepster so much, and I've done this for so many years, and I, I can't see it failing, because we have such extremely active, passionate users, like, like really passionate. Like we have parents writing to us saying, you know, I just want to thank you. You changed my daughter's life forever. She is now, you know, confident. She speaks with adults, you know, she's like straight on her back and shakes people's hands. Like she's prepared for the work life. I get life. goosebumps. <laughs> I get goosebumps. We have these on our wall in our office. Um, and the same thing goes with our yeps. Um, and I think it's a give and take sort of thing. So oddly enough, the, the more stuff we put in them might be seen as friction for example, like a health and safety questionnaire. Mm. You know, have you ever felt unsafe at Yepster? Mm. Uh, do you know which number to call if something happens? You know, do you know what to do in this kind of a situation? The more we do those things, the better engagement we get, the more higher conversion, the better retention and all of those things. So people really notice uh, when a company takes that step and does something that they like, I know this is good for me, but it's, I have to answer these questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that really drives engagement. So in terms of creating user-generated content, for us, it's actually quite easy. We ask, hey, uh, we have a lot of new babysitters signing up. You're one of our most experienced babysitters. Uh, would you mind sharing a quick video with some tips? And literally our CMO, Denise, was I think yesterday we d did this again and she's drowning in her inbox. So That's amazing. Yeah, it's really nice. We're we're seeing the start of a real community at Yepster. Cool. Uh, are you planning anything to do anything to facilitate that? I'm thinking like, you know, can they talk to each other and so forth? I mean, the different... Yep. Yes, you are very much. Uh, sounds like you're you're writing our uh, roadmap here. Perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're we're very much exploring those opportunities. Um, we are now a quite mature business, uh, so we have a product manager, we have a product designer, we have a researcher, we have a data scientist. So we don't jump into things headfirst without knowing a bit more about how they work. But mm. yeah, definitely. That's definitely in our roadmap. And key thing there for us seems to be bigger communities don't work. You know, all yeps in a group doesn't work. Mm. If we go all yeps in tabby, that starts to work. If we go all babysitting yeps in this postcode, mm. that really works. Because then it's like, oh, that's Emma. I know her. Like, yeah. And then people start to share and care and... I'm a bit nervous about going to my first job. Oh, no worries. You know, I'll come with you. Yeah, so magic starts to happen. So I think local communities are very much a tune for the future. That's amazing. And now we're actually getting into kind of the second topic we were going to discuss because you're working with Generation Z. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of um, worry from parents and older people that these are not ready for the workplace and yeah. uh, they have other expectations and uh, they are a bit spoiled. I think they said mm. this about our generation as well. So it might be a, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's always been going on. Yeah. But like, why aren't they ready? And what do you contribute with? Because 
from what I'm hearing, they are super ready. Yeah. No, I think uh, Simon Sinek in his uh, YouTube clip on millennials in the workplace uh, speaks a lot about it. And I think Gen Z is or Z is, you know, millennials uh, to a factor of two. So um, for sure, this generation is less prepared for the, the work life. Parents in general in wealthy communities or wealthy societies say that don't care about work, you know, you don't need a summer job, we're going to take care of you as long as you get your grades. So we have kids that focus very much on just doing well at school and then leaving everything else. And that worked 50 years ago, because then you still met people. And nowadays, a lot of that, like the majority of young people's free time is spent on their screen. I think it's, what is it, eight hours of screen time per day or something like that on average. Yeah, so yeah, that that's a huge component. So those social skills aren't really be, being developed in the same way. And it's not their fault. You know, we're the ones who created the technology and put this super addictive device in their hands. But I think that the young generation is by far the ones who have been most negatively affected by the technological revolution. And we see it in in uh, uh, rising uh, uh, youth unemployment, we see it in, in crime, we see it also in uh, confidence levels, we see it in suicides, we see it in uh, bullying, we see it in uh, young people, you know, spending all their money on uh, games and, and so on. It's, it's a very, yeah, there hasn't come a lot of good things for our young people yet through the technological revolution. But so that's really what Yepsher wants to step in and help them yeah, be that bridge and make finding your first job a fun experience and something that you always feel Yepster's always got your back. Yeah, I mean, you're on to quite something here and I'm sure this is, you know, you're talking about this every day, all day, but like reflecting from the outside, I'm also realizing that, you know, when I'm hiring, I'm not always looking that much at skill uh, hmm. or definitely not looking at grades. I'm looking at, you know, who is this person? Because yeah. a lot of the other things can be taught yeah. Uh, so it's kind of like almost that uh, the parents are teaching them exactly what they shouldn't be focused on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you, there was a survey done a couple of years ago with, I think, 200, 300 HR managers in Sweden. And 80% said that Swedish kids are sufficiently educated, but they completely lack the practical work experience. Yeah. So that's why they don't get an interview. Mm. And I, I speak to these people all the time, you know, people running hotels and restaurants who are like, you would not believe what I have to put up with. Uh, I have a, an example to mention, which sort of just shows. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we, our previous uh, chairman, Stefan Öberg, the CEO of uh, Tradera mm. and uh, ex-CEO of PayPal Sweden, he used our app and the first time and the, he, uh, yeah, there was this uh, guy who wanted to help out with setting up some routers and stuff in his home. And he arrives to work with, you know, the CEO of Tradera in front of him with the black t-shirt saying, fuck everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that started off well. <laughs> yeah. But that's the kind of level that like, that's where we're starting because yeah. they don't no, they, they don't have other t-shirts. Like, yeah. uh, and it's no fault of their own. 
it's just that society hasn't really prepared them for that. <laughs> no. Or is it us that now should realize that everybody who will come into the workplace uh, uh, in, you know, 10 years will have those t-shirts and I have to adapt? Yeah. I'm not ready for that either. <laughs> Can you teach me as well? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, yeah. But uh, to not stick with only the um, uh, kind of the humane part of this, yeah, uh, yeah. we also have kind of the legal issues with it because yeah. uh, is the legal system really uh, prepared for this sort of like app and the, I mean, no. no, no. Okay. Do you have anything? Next question. <laughs> um, no, it's, uh, it's not. And it's also, it's, it's quite logical why we're, we've ended up where we are, you know, with increasingly complex legislations of everything the employer should have and do and supply and so on. And that's very nice. And that puts us in a great spot here in Sweden. We have a huge middle class and, you know, people generally do quite well. Uh, but Uh, that also puts in a lot of friction for innovation. So I don't ever see the gig economy becoming the standard. You know that I think the the kind of employment we have now with full time jobs and stable income, I think that will always be the standard for eighty percent of people. You want stability. You want to build a family. You want to you know. Even in like twenty years. I think so. I think many people will opt for that stability. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But if it's 80% or 60% or I don't know. But I think the the core like the the engine of a society is around that stable, you know, jobs and employment and and so on. But then you have all of these uh, entrepreneurial companies, you have the small businesses and you have gig workers which at certain times of your life it's it's perfect. You want uh, to try something new. You want uh, diversity. You want uh, to be paid a bit more for your hours so you can have more vacation. Uh, you know you are super good at something, copywriting or photographing or something. And you know that the flexibility you know, is really what you're after. Uh, but it changes from time to time. It changes with where you are in life. Uh, Yepster is a bit different. You know, We only focus on young people. So for most young people, Uh, so when we did our service, it was around 90%. They did not want an extra job every weekend for 15 hours. They wanted flexible extra jobs that they could map around their studies and their uh, free uh, activities and, and all of that. So, so yeah, I think the legal system needs to adjust to this. And uh, I think the best thing we could do is just clarify, okay, This is a job for Ericsson. Here is what you get. You know, they are class A employer. You get pension and vacation and, and all of this. And then you should have class B and also probably class C, which is more gig work. Here you are entirely responsible on your own to do the taxes, to save for your pension, to do this. Uh, if you are a class C employee, well, then you should talk to the tax department as well. They have all of this support to make it safe for you. So you don't take big risks. So I think we can get there. But um, the biggest change that we made was in 2021 when we employed all of our YEPs. Mm-hmm. So that was a huge step. And the lawyer said we couldn't do it and that we shouldn't do it for five years, basically. The tax department said that we couldn't do it. And they had good reasons. You know, they are you the ones choosing which YEP does which job? No. Are you the ones there instructing them what to do? No. Are, are you the ones who um, give them the equipment and stuff? No. So there was like 20 questions and we literally do none of that. We let them agree 
you know, the customer and the yep uh, on their own. Uh, but then one day we said, well, if we want to be the employer, how would we go about doing that? And that changed everything. And, and that's also why we're seeing this big uplift. A big part of that reason is that we can say we are the employers. So when you work, you know, if you take the help of a babysitter through Yepster, Yepster is the employer. So we take care of everything, insurance and uh, vacation pay and pension and, and all of that. And it's a, a good deal. Um, and, and thanks to the root system we have in Sweden, if you pay your babysitter through Yepster, if you pay 100 crowns, the babysitter gets 112. So, so it's better than paying yeah. cash in hand, yeah. essentially. Yeah, that makes total sense. Interesting. I, I remember that I actually saw that you did this, but I forgot it. But I'm kind of going to jump back yep. to the beginning of what yep. you said, because you said, I kind of want to challenge this with uh, stability. Um, have you read the book Anti-Fragile? Yeah. Nassim Nicholas Taleb, right? Exactly. Um, so kind of to just give the listeners an idea, it's based on the fact that if um, something that we can um, see as solid is often fragile, yeah. but if we see it as not solid, it's anti-fragile kind yeah. of ish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very, very easy simplification of this book. But um, uh, I kind of just want to challenge this idea that uh, a fixed job is stability like couldn't yeah. this be stability in the future exactly and anti-fragile systems the beauty of them is that the more they break the stronger they get essentially yeah um but yeah i think that's that's completely right and i have <laughs> very many examples just very recently of people uh, you know that we've talked about for certain roles at yepster and they are at the more stable companies they think like kri or I um, mean, doctor or boy, you know, and, and they feel very stable there and they're like, yeah, I don't think you know, I'm not prepared for this kind of risk. And then a couple of months later, they're laid off. Yeah. So, yeah, you are not safe, you know, in any job. A, a job is like a relationship. You know, it's, it's not a, a guaranteed thing for the rest of your life. It's something that both parties need to continuously opt into. So yeah, I, I think, I hope that perspective is changing because uh, I think the real value is building your skills. If you have skills, then you are attractive wherever and you will never be without a job. Yeah, I mean, I no employee at Yepster has ever gone you know, longer than a month without a, a job afterwards because they're super attractive in the workplace. Yeah, and I'm also thinking that uh, this is also a bit what you're teaching the kids uh, or the young, yeah. uh, <laughs> young, young adults. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the fact that, you know, if you can kind of, you're basically teaching them to do everything from sell to work to deliver to having happy customers and so forth, meaning that if you maybe once were a yep, then you maybe not need a um, yeah. kind of stability in from an employer in the future because you kind of learned that, you know, you can do it on your own. Exactly. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, that's why I'm saying in 20 years it should be gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, I, I really view it like that. I, I view Yepster as the practical school. Mm. So we have the theoretical school, and then we have Yepster where you learn all those things: yeah. selling, negotiating, teamwork, uh, pitching, uh, you know, doing a good job, taking responsibility, and stuff. So, yeah, I look forward to seeing the army of young entrepreneurs that we're creating <laughs> change society. 
Uh, that's awesome. One thing that has kind of been uh, um, interesting if we look more on a macro level is that there has been a lot of gig companies uh, and there's been a lot of investment in, in gig companies, but there aren't that many that has succeeded yet, mm. I want to say. Like, do you want to share some of your opinions or thoughts on that? Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, there are lots of gig companies that have done extremely well. Uh, you know, Thumbtack to to name one, and uh, healthy businesses that are are growing fast and and uh, very profitable. Uh, but yeah, there have been a lot of gig companies that haven't succeeded, and uh, the reason that I think that has happened is that either they've been too broad you know, like uh, TaskRabbit and so on, that they, they go for everything at the same time. And then you don't get word of mouth and, and so on. The other thing is that they don't invest in supply enough. Or you call them giggers, we call them yeps, but but mm. the people who do the work, and they don't really take care of them. And then you don't build loyalty. So over time, you keep losing the best mm. ones because they're like, thank you, I got all these skills now. I have a better job opportunity elsewhere. Bye-bye. Mm. Um, for example, at uh, Uber, you know, there is no level uh, where you keep earning more and more or getting better benefits or, or stuff like that. So I, I think that needs to change. And uh, Yepster has had that at the start. We've always had a level system. Our Yeps get more and more paid as they get better, which I think just like any job <laughs> should work. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are also benefits that you lock up along the way. So. I think that, that those are the key reasons that it hasn't really succeeded. And then, of course, combine it with the legal challenges. Yeah. But the European Commission is driving a lot of initiatives to standardize and simplify this space. So I, I think we will see change and I think we will see more successful gig companies. That's, uh, I mean, that would be great. I think there is a, a lot we can do there. But you actually now kind of just piqued my interest on something else. So I'm yeah. switching the subject again. <laughs> Good. You have gamification yeah. for the youngsters. Yeah, for sure. Okay, come on, tell me more. <laughs> no, that's, that's one of our key uh, recipes. Uh, Yepster would not be around still if we did not have that. Um, and that that's all part of this strategy, you know, that we want to be this practical school. So yeah, you join Yepster, you have a recommended salary of, uh, if you're 16 or something, it's like 95 crowns an hour. Um, and then as you level up, you get a higher recommended salary but you also unlock uh, benefits that are related to work and career. So for example, driving lessons or uh, courses on how to save in stocks through uh, Aktiespararna, so Young Shareholder Association <laughs> yeah. in, in Sweden. So yeah, we want to be that practical school. And so uh, uh, a gamified or a, a level system is is the heart of it. So if I were young, like yeah. how do I get to the top? What's the top? level like oh <laughs> yeah now you're getting into uh, very secret stuff but um you get experience points for different things you do at yepster mm-hmm. so working uh, is of course one yeah but if you just keep working in babysitting you know you're not growing and developing that much mm. so we encourage like the level system encourages young people to try different things to keep growing to work for different people and to um, also provide a good service, be it uh, replying quickly or, you know, um, reporting time quickly or uh, all those things. So, so yeah, 
<laughs> okay, but uh, it seems like there is a clear path then to how how I become the best. Yeah, I, for I sure. We this... have uh, level ten is our highest level. Yeah, and we have eight level tens out of our forty thousand young people. Ooh, challenge! Yeah, they are superstars. Like yeah. I would hire all of them in a in a heartbeat. So uh, can can I pay you to get their names or? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just but kidding. It's, it's um no, but on a more serious note. When you reach level five at Yepster, we know that you are dependable. Mm. And dependability is the key factor for companies recruiting. So when you are level five at Yepster, you can apply for the company jobs at Yepster. You can't do that before. Mm. So, so that's the system we built. So, so being able to apply to a company job is like a key driver for these young people. Like, I want to get to level five. And that's really good because... Yeah, then you've proven yourself along the way. Not just a made-up LinkedIn CV, yeah. you know, but real jobs, real ratings, real customers, real references. That's amazing. If we would uh, kind of generalize this program a bit. So, um, for example, you know, a company working with insurance or whatever, like building up this uh, sort of gamification and thinking about categories and levels and points and so forth. What is kind of the keys you would share to someone else trying to build something similar, just gamification systems? Okay, I, I think it would be, I would be a bit audacious to go in there and say, do this, 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 because uh, that's not really how it works. And it's the same with growth, but it, it's really, it's digging into your business. You know, what are the key drivers? So, so for growth, for example, do you have viral loops or mechanisms or particularly passionate users or, you know, you have to get stuck into the, the nuts and bolts and design a solution that works for, for your insurance business. But yeah, the, the, it, there's lots of literature on it. The general stuff for like uh, levels, experience points, badges, rewards, uh, achievements, elite. Yeah, there's all these elements that you can add in, but they often become wrong. Like if they don't work with the group, then yeah, you're just wasting your time. So have a think if you're an insurance company, you know, is it the uh, company? Is it the, the customers? What is it you want to achieve? And most importantly, what do they want to achieve? Often companies say, oh, we want growth. Let's stick something on there and try to get people to share stuff. Yeah, It's like, why? What's in it for me? I don't want to be associated with this company. So yeah, it's really down to each, each uh, particular situation, I would say. So it sounds like the key in your case is how can the young people earn more money? Yeah, so for us, what we want is engagement and a reason for the young people to stay on the platform and not start being paid cash in hand and you know breaking the law and not being insured and you know not being a part of society mm. so we want them to build a resume with with you know real jobs that have been paid correctly with taxes and so on so they have a easier step into the real working life and we know that gamification works in our core audience yeah because they are so used to this we don't need to teach them a lot uh, it's very natural and it's it makes sense, you know? You work hard, you should earn more. You should unlock things. You know, your friends should be jealous. That's how life works, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's society. Uh, so insurance company is more difficult because then maybe the core thing you want is to not remind them how much they're paying for insurance every year because then they will cancel that or or compare it with something else. So then maybe it's better to just be extremely silent and just deduct some money and hope they don't notice it. Uh, I don't know. 
it's different for each business. Yeah, I, I just have to pull the example. I know <laughs> I, I checked once that because most insurance companies, they do, if you have more insurances with us, you get like mm. a discount and so forth. So I once, I, I just kind of tested yeah. that and, and checked that and realized that I would actually pay more if I had bundled. both my, uh, yeah, if I bundled it versus if I took them from different versions. And I said that to them, I'm like, how come this is? And they are like, yeah, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, good answer. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's often like that. And and I'm, I bet they could do something more visually attractive. Yeah. You know, this boom, oh, you're a silver member, boom, now you're gold. Now 1% of all your money goes to uh, UNHCR or some, like, I'm sure they could make it more beautiful in yeah. that sense. Yeah, definitely. So just kind of one question before we wrap up. Expansion, yeah. like yeah. what are you up to next? Yeah, so going abroad and helping all young people find their first jobs has always been been core to our vision. So back in, in 2015, we wrote it down on the wall. We said 2020, we'd be Sweden's biggest youth employer, 2025, the world's biggest, and 2030, we want to have helped 100 million young people to their first jobs. And we're still on that path. So we're just behind McDonald's in terms of the uh, number of, uh, as a youth employer. Yeah. But uh, either towards the end of this year or the beginning of next, we will help more young people than McDonald's in Sweden to their first jobs, which we're very proud about. Now, with the changing economic climate, uh, we have um, pushed our expansion plans out by about a year, and we're still and we're instead focusing on profitability, which is not that far away from us. So, I'm very happy about that mm-hmm. because when you have a profitable business, you're no longer dependent on investors, yeah, and and you can do it at exactly the right pace and the and the right time, yeah, and uh, so it makes more sense. We've had those situations before where we've had term sheets from strong investors and we have not uh, taken that investment simply because it would really be betting everything on one card. You know, we take this money, then we have to hit these targets. If we don't, they will not invest again. We will be dead to other investors and we essentially killed our business. And for us, Yepster is so much more than just a company we can earn some money on. We feel responsibility for these kids and the families and the elderly they help. So Yepster has to work. So yeah, we're very happy actually with this uh, changing strategy. And um, we're very fortunate to have strong investors backing us. So uh, yeah, 2022 and 2023 will be a very interesting year. Interesting. So uh, I always ask this at the very end of the pod. (laughs) What should I have asked you about that I didn't ask you about? What should you have asked me about? Okay, well, one thing I think is very important is the the question, if I'm a young person and I want to have an impact in the world and I want to succeed with everything that means, how should I go about doing that? And my answer to that is preparedness for opportunity. And this comes from one of our investors, Keith Anderson, who founded BlackRock. I think BlackRock is the world's largest asset. They they manage something like four times Sweden's GDP. That's a big company. It's a big company. Uh, But he's a very, very wise man. Um, But what he means with that resonates very well with my own life. That I think 
if you want to succeed, if you want to have an impact, if you want to uh, change the world, you need to build a foundation that allows you to do that. And that's what your young years are for. So if you want to lead a company one day, or if you want to become a um, uh, whatever, a famous actor or whatever it is, there are bits and pieces that you can do right here, right now, today, that will drive you in that direction. So for example, if you want to be the CEO of a tech company, what will you need to be good at? Well, you will probably need to be good at uh, you know, budgeting, the economics, you know, understanding how a business works. You probably need to be a good leader and able to uh, get people around you to think the same and, and for, for you to, to work towards a common goal. So you need some of that experience. You probably need to understand branding and marketing. You probably need to have a good sense of tech as well. You could take a class in programming. There are so many things you can do so that one day when that opportunity comes, because I promise it will come, uh, you have this net that just catches that and you won't be able to stop yourself because all the stars align. And that's exactly what Yepster was for me. I had everything ready to do this. So even though I was in a very fancy job, well-paid and all that, I couldn't stop myself. So that's a lot better situation than forcing yourself to do something um, because, yeah, you have the foundation. You're ready. This is what you were built for. Prepare for opportunity. Preparedness for opportunity, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Let's end it uh, like that. Thank you very much for coming, Jacob. It was great having you here. Thank you, Anle. Thanks for listening in to our podcast, Winning in the Nordics, presented by AppsFlyer. You know where to find us. Subscribe and leave us a review on Apple, Google, Spotify and all good podcast apps.